Hey y'all. Um, I was trying to be consistent with the podcast, and I was doing really well, you know, well, I was, it wasn't really a pattern, but, um, I was very sick last week, uh, my voice was literally gone for two days, it was there, but it just was gone, so I couldn't film, and, um, yeah, I'm here now, right now I'm drinking my sparkling ice black raspberry, anybody who knows me knows that this is my favorite drink. I'm still a little bit sick, but I am mostly over it, and my voice sounds kind of back to normal, so I guess this will be okay. Honestly, right now, life is pretty decent. I'm pretty content with God, I'm pretty content with life, and I'm reading Acts. Uh, The book of Acts has literally encouraged me so much. It just encourages me to talk about God fearlessly and and boldly. On my Instagram, I put up on my simplicity with katie instagram that is not my main account but my podcast account i um (laughs) i posted a poll with i said does like should i put up a podcast episode about success within god like what does biblical success look like or should i do one about the empathy of the lord and i think only two people i think only two people said uh, success within the Bible, which I'm definitely going to do an episode about that. It's just, um, I had a few signs that God wanted me to talk about it. And my rule is if I see something two times a week, two to three times a week regarding God and all that, then obviously God is trying to tell me. And there's this one day where it was like two or three times a day that, um, somebody was talking to me about success and my idea of success and like the biblical idea of success and it it all aligned uh, and correlated with one another so that was definitely a sign and I would definitely be making an episode about that because I think it is so important because success has such a hold on our brains but for now we're going to be talking about my personal favorite trait of God's his empathy and the reason this is my um favorite trait of God's is because it's the thing that literally saved me and I talk about this a lot because I know other people go through it but it saved me from every issue that I have gone through now empathy and sympathy are very different things sympathy is according to um the internet uh sympathy is more of a feeling or pity for another but empathy means the ability to understand and share the feelings of another i definitely believe in therapy and medication in the way that like it varies depending on person to person i definitely believe that it can be helpful because i've done both and for me therapy helped more than medication because medication might help some people where therapy might help others but the thing about both which i'm learning is that it involves making an appointment or like making a time so with medicine you need to um take it at a certain time but i'm specifically talking about therapy you need to make an appointment right and you have to pay and there's nothing wrong with that i'm not saying anything's wrong with that but um for me during the week i would struggle with things and i would need to process things because for me i just had a lot of unprocessed trauma that would come and go during the week just the way it wired wired my brain but when therapy came I would forget about what I was going to say because that's just the way my brain works 
Uh, but the great thing about God is that we don't need to make an appointment with him because he's always there. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to if we are seeking him and uh, how we are treating him. And yeah, uh, I don't need to pay to talk to God and I don't need to do that. And I'm not saying because I want to be a therapist one day, like that's the career that I'm going to pursue. So I'm not saying like, oh, therapists are just people like that you pay to listen to you because it's like, no, I'm literally going to go down that path myself because that's something I'm passionate about and I want to listen and help people. So with that being said, God is always there, but it comes down to if we are seeking him and choosing him ourselves. In our lives, I feel like we all have those people that look at us like we're silly or, you know, like we're being overdramatic when we express emotions or uh, express something that we're struggling with deep down that we don't, like, know how to express appropriately. But the great thing about our empathetic God is that he knows what it is like to feel. So anybody who knows me, I say this in every episode, I swear, knows (laughs) <laughs> that my favorite verse is Hebrews 4.15 and Galatians 1.10, but it's Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. So I think in another episode, I kind of uh, broke this verse and then uh, verse 16 down, but um, today... I'm not really going to, I'm going to talk about it in a different light. I know that in the Catholic religion, like the Catholic church, there is uh, confessions to a human priest. However, these priests have not lived, nor do they fully understand every single issue like our Lord does. And when we confess, we seek empathy and guidance towards our best path. You know, because the Bible says, Jesus is a high priest. He is the high priest. No human can make up for that, that role. Because priest or not, a Catholic priest is a human being. Jesus was human but fully God simultaneously. Jesus recognizes our emotions and he recognizes our need for help in that exact moment. He's not looking at us and calling me silly. I'm not saying that the priests are, but uh, I have... <laughs> gone through some experiences where humans have looked at me and called me overdramatic or I'm just a typical female or whatever because I'm experiencing something real. Jesus does not and it makes me feel understood and I just love that my God understands me because in every other religion it's rule after rule after rule. It's not a personal and intimate connection with Christianity. It's not rules. He gives us guidance away from the things that separate us from him. And then he tells us why, because as humans, we seek why. If we um, are told to do something without a reason, like what desire is going to be kindled? I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah. Jesus is not somebody telling us that when uh, I'm 60 years old, these present issues won't matter. Because although it's good to notice like things around us are temporary, In the moment, things still hurt and they still affect us. And God recognizes that. What is also amazing is that in this world, we are looked down upon if we are young because we are immediately seen as naive. If I told someone, yeah, I'm 17, but I'm going through this, immediately I'm seen as naive. 
And I don't care if somebody argues with me against that because I've seen it happen more than once. As if we have no experience. But Jesus clearly shows that he loved when children would come to him with their curiosity and their joy. Think about when the Bible says have a childlike faith. When the Bible says have a childlike faith and a childlike wonder, do you think that's God saying, oh, you're naive? No, he admires a curiosity. He admires the curiosity that is in the youth. And I think that is so amazing because as somebody who has been overlooked, and I know most people understand this, as someone who has been overlooked, their issues have been overlooked because of their age. It's so refreshing to see that the God that I serve admires my curiosity and my seeking him and my self-awareness and my uh, desire to get over these things because I don't want to be 60 and have unprocessed trauma from when I was 15. I don't want to do that. I want God to help me now and he has. He has restored me from things that I thought I was never going to be restored from regardless of my age. The youngest king in the Bible, hello, was like 10 years old. Uh, I think his name was uh, Josiah. Yes, Josiah. So he was like seven or eight. I think it did take him a few years to seek God. Uh, I read Second Kings a while ago, so I could not really recall that direct information. But he was still the youngest king and he was respected. But I don't desire the respect of the world because I desire God's recognition. If the world recognizes me, I, I don't see why I would want that because that would mean I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. Because the Bible says... The world hated Jesus, but he overcame the world. That's reassuring. I talked about that in my last episode, God's reassurance, so I'm not going to go too far in depth with that. God reminds us in 1 Timothy 4.12 that our age does not have to determine our relationship with him or how we live and how we represent him. He takes us seriously regardless of our age so long as we take him seriously. But at the same time, we do need to like realize our age and respect those who are older than us because yes they have been through other things and I'm not I'm not like over here trying to encourage you to disrespect your elders or whatever this is why I appreciate the saying stop picking up what you've left at God's feet because some of us surrender and then we retract that surrender we take it back as if it was like a moment of weakness or a mistake because since Eden Since the Garden of Eden, our innate response has been hiding from God. We immediately hide from God rather than than seek him in the midst of sin, in the midst of our struggles, immediately forgetting the immense empathy and safety that he withholds. Because Satan convinces us that God will be unforgivably angry with us, that if I seek God for this sin to help me with this sin, he will look at me with disgust and say, oh, no that's disgusting. I will not deliver you from that because like, why would he do that? The thing about our God is that he's empathetic. He understands our struggles because he's been through them himself. He was tempted as we are, yet he did not sin. Yes, God holds anger towards sin and the sin that corrupts our life. But once we take the steps to seek him and once we show that we want to change, his empathy is so powerful. I remember when I first came into contact with that type of love, okay? 
in September of 2020, I remember I was watching uh, Yasmin Brigado, actually. I was watching her live stream. Like, I think it was on TikTok. But um, she was crying over the same, like, issues that I was crying about. Um, just family issues and, like, and feeling kind of hopeless. But, like, no, she was talking about knowing uh, the love of God. And mind you, this was when, this was the year that I was first starting to realize all the, of the Christian things. But I never felt that love. Like, I began to realize how much Christ loved me and all that he had sacrificed for me, a mere mortal being, giving me the chance to turn away from the very things that separated me from him, the things that would send me to hell. Sin. That's sin. I remember I wrote in my notes app about how overwhelming it was to feel a love so massive because I was not used to that. I wasn't really used to that kind of treatment, let alone love. Like, yes, people would tell me that they loved me, obviously, but um, I never really received that from my parents, which, you know, is okay because I know like they had issues of their own issues of their own and that's probably where I got it from the the way I can't really express certain emotions very well but I kind of was like cut off from a lot of people like a lot of my family so I never really felt a love so immense or so large I had an immense amount of hatred towards myself uh life and everything around me so it was just very uh, gosh I'm literally about to cry right now like and that was the thing that kind of proved to me how empathetic our God is. When you take the f- take your first steps toward him, he starts doing a work in you bigger than you could imagine. His spirit in us does not hold back if we are willing to surrender. Which is why, again, I said before to stop picking up what you've left at his feet. Because your surrender is admired by God. Your vulnerability is admired by God. Especially for men, because men have this idea that vulnerability is a weakness. A lot of girls do too, but there's this idea that if you're vulnerable, you're weak. And I disagree with that. That makes me angry because God admires that vulnerability because it shows that you are unafraid to open up to him. And you're not holding back from him. But my favorite story of the Bible is a parable of the prodigal son. And I've talked about it before, but it just proves that with our first steps toward him, His arms are wide open. Our first steps towards God. Realizing that, hey, I'm nothing without the Father. I've tried everything else to fulfill me. But nothing does. Everything else is temporary, just like Ecclesiastes says. His arms are wide open, excited to see his child returning to him and away from sin. And I say returning because that's what we were designed for. Whether you were Christian or not before you became born again. God initially designed us in the garden to be sinless beings, to be his children, his friends. But we betrayed that by abusing the advantage of free will. So he's very enthusiastic to see his children returning to him and away from sin because sin does not fulfill us. So knowing that God understands me when no one else does, knowing that the most like holiest being the holiest being, being, the most complex being out there, the God of everything, the creator of all, cares about my feelings and about my brain and about my restoration and about my relationship with him. That is the most empathetic thing I've ever heard in my life. And I, I so he shares my feelings. He shares in my pain. And I know that reading Psalms, I see that 
when David cried out or when anybody in the Bible ever cried out to God, God was in pain too. He was crying too. So in Revelation 3, when it says he will wipe every tear, that's very, very calming. Just imagine the most empathetic person, the most empathetic being, the creator of all things, wiping off my tears for eternity. Boy, I'm gonna start crying tears of joy after that, because what? He's gonna have to keep wiping my tears, because I'm gonna keep crying tears of joy after he did that. Like, another one, thank you, that's, li- that's literally what's gonna happen. But, back to the, back to what I was saying. Just because my perception of everything is tainted, whether it be because of any addictions or sins I've gone through, or just because of simple humanity, it doesn't mean God's perception is tainted. We cannot correlate our tainted perception to God's. We need to remember that God has a flawless perception, a flawless character, as opposed to ours. Because I grew up in a way that God never intended, I now see a lot of things in a way that he never intended. So it reminds me that even when I see myself as gross, God doesn't. Even if I feel sexualized or objectified by anyone, he still sees me as how he saw me in the garden. God sees me as how he saw me in the garden. His perception is still untainted. It remains untainted and flawless, which is what he desires for us too. He desires us to have an untainted life, but our lives have already been corrupted by sin, which is where his restoration comes in. And his restoration, I've already talked about in my last episode, uh, lies in reassurance. So, um, I'm going to give an example of... God's empathy that I read this morning. In uh, Acts 9 and 10, there's a lot of persecution. And Jesus said to Paul, I mean, Jesus said to Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And uh, a lot of people's responses are, Jesus, you're in heaven. You're not being persecuted. Jesus, you're in heaven. How do you feel the persecution when Saul is doing it to the people who follow you? Because when you are a follower of Christ, when you are devoted to him, you and God are yoked. I think I talked about this in my last episode too, so everything is like kind of a reference to my last one, except more about his empathy, because I don't know if this is like a series or not, but we are now yoked with God. He feels what we are feeling because he's been through it himself. He knows, Jesus knows what it is like to be persecuted and hated, and Jesus overcame that. But it's just like that story, I don't remember what chapter it is now, but Jesus cried over Lazarus. He wept, knowing that he could bring him back to life. He grieved over the pain it caused other people. He grieved over that. Even though he knew what was going to come of it, he still cried because he empathizes with the way that we feel. And it's so crazy to me that we have a God who truly, truly feels what we feel when we are hurt. So everything that I've been through as a kid, everything that I go through now, Anytime I cry now that I'm a devoted follower of his and unashamed of that, every time I struggle, he cries. Every time I struggle, my God in heaven is sitting there crying with me, holding me in his arms and telling me it's going to be okay. Have you ever seen those paintings where Jesus is hugging us? Can you imagine a hug like that? Can you imagine what it feels like to be wrapped in his arms? Because that's what he's doing. That's what he's literally doing every time that we are feeling pain. And I know, like, this episode probably seems a little gloomier because I'm talking about pain, pain, pain. No, this is positive. I assure you it's positive because I'm talking about, in my opinion, the greatest quality of God. 
um, which he has so many, so. In Acts 7, Stephen was, I think he was one of the first martyred, yeah, I think he was one of the first Christian martyred, or Christian martyr, or however you say the word, because he died for his belief, and he was unashamed. So, Jesus knew how difficult his job was. Stephen got up on the stands, preached the gospel, knowing that he was probably going to be put to death. But Jesus was cheering him on through it. And in the middle of it, he gave Stephen a glimpse of heaven. He literally gave Stephen a glimpse of heaven. I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to read it in NIV because I do know, like, a lot of people will understand that and I don't want to read like a King James version and nobody knows what I'm saying it says in uh, Acts 7 verse 55 but Stephen full of the Holy Spirit looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus standing at the right hand of God look he said I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God so a lot of people are I've heard uh and I've read about how in most scenarios, you say you see that it says Jesus sits at the right hand of God. He sits. But in this case, he was standing. A lot of people were saying because he was cheering him on or he was having his arms wide open to welcome Stephen into heaven. There are a lot of like speculations about that, but I really do like that it says Jesus was standing. God gave Stephen, in the middle of this, a glimpse of the reward. Romans 8.18 talks about how our present afflictions are nothing compared to the future glory. So long as we are following Christ, of course. So long as we have devoted our entire lives to Christ, of course. Our future glory is heaven. Obviously, um, the repentance of sin is necessary because, because how can we serve God, claim that we serve God, but then indulge in the very things that separate us from him? How can we claim that we love God if we indulge in the very things that separate us from him? That was a little side note, but, um, yes. So, as Romans 8.18 tells us, I think it's so amazing in, in Acts 7. Like, it's such an amazing parallel. And what's an even greater parallel is that Stephen, in his last moments, knowing that he was dying, he literally begged God to not hold this against his murderers. He, he said, do not charge them with this sin. Jesus said the same thing. How crazy is it that in the time of death, Jesus did not, or he did not hold back from saying, forgive them, Lord, they do not know what they are doing wrong. Because, again, Jesus understands that they don't understand. Uh, which is really, it's a really confusing type of, um, confusing phenomenon, I guess. So the greatest amount of empathy lies, it lies in our Lord, Jesus Christ. Because he has the ability to heal us from things that we thought we were never going to be healed of. He has the ability to remove things from our lives that we thought were never going to leave us alone. He has the ability to guide us out of paths that were not intended for us. Were not made in our purpose. And that, to me, is empathy. Because he knows. He knows what we need. And that might oppose what we want, but at the end of the day, it really is what is best for us. The Bible talks about, a lot about Jesus and his compassion, God and his compassion. When Jesus sees a great crowd of people who are sick or possessed with demons, it says Jesus was moved with compassion 
and healed. How great is it that we have a God who is moved with compassion? It, it just, honestly, it I can't even put in the words how amazing that is to know that I serve somebody who has compassion for his people, who loves his people. Because we, we uh, in history, we hear all these stories about kings who were tyrants. They didn't have any compassion for their people, for the people who followed them, or who they expected to follow them. They had no love for them. But Jesus' compassion is rooted in his love. So why do we not treat him like that? Because we need to. A lot of people don't. Jesus is the king of kings. The Bible refers to him as the king of kings. So don't let any temporary kingdom or monarchy or compassionless industry taint your perception of God. Because the two don't correlate. They don't relate to one another at all. So I think <sighs> a lot of why I think God's empathy is my favorite trait of his. It's not, okay, I don't know if it's bad to say my favorite trait of his because there's so many wonderful traits of his. I know my favorite thing about God is the fact that I can learn something new about him every day and there will always be something new to learn because he's infinite. But I think my favorite quality of his is his empathy. And I think in me, he has placed an empathetic heart, which can be a pro and a con, but I trust in him to uh, help me discern when it's a pro and when it's a con and when to, when to use it for positive things, I suppose. But just knowing that my God loves me like that and that he will show me the right ways. Like on my calendar, I have a verse of the month every month. I have like a marker calendar. The verse is Isaiah forty-eight seventeen. It says, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you and directs you in the way that you should go. So the fact that my God cares about my directions, the God who has created all the cosmos, the God who created every life species out there, every plant, every animal, every planet, every star, and yet he, he knows the number of hairs in my head. He cares about that. He knows what I'm struggling with and he cares about that. I, I genuinely will never be able to put into words how appreciative I am to God for that. And I think it's important to admire these qualities of God and recognize these qualities of God because in me, it places a sense of respect, humility, uh, admiration, desire to seek him even more. And uh, it's it's something, I'll tell you that. So... Anyway, I hope this episode has helped anyone out there. If there's anything anyone ever wants me to speak about on this, please message me on katiebachman7 on Instagram or simplicitywithkatie on Instagram, which is obviously I mentioned earlier. So thank you so much for listening to this. I am so thankful to God for giving me this uh, outlet to talk regardless of who listens how many people listen whatnot just remember that you're you serve a god who understands your struggles and desires you as a friend a child keep striving for the kingdom keep reflecting him in your life and let your life be evidence of the life that he lived